Anomaly detected, Tara's dulcet voice announced. Alex sat upright in his pilot's seat. Show me. On the navigation screen, a thin red line encircled a tiny dot. Any telemetry available? The object is headed in system at 13 degrees below the ecliptic. Distance is 388 million kilometers. Velocity? It's constant at 0.02 C. His heart skipped a beat. That's too fast for an asteroid. So what are you? New Terrans adventured no further than the ice fields, a dense ring of asteroids circling beyond Seda, a gas giant and their system's ninth and last planet. Since their colony's founding 732 years ago, there hadn't been any outside contact, human or otherwise. How soon before it reaches the ice fields? At its present velocity, it will enter the rings in five days. When will it intersect our system horizon? Two days later, it will cross the ecliptic near Seda. At present, he was headed for Shariah's, one of Seda's moons, for refueling. The outward bound under its 1G acceleration had achieved a velocity of 0.01 C. In seven days, his path would intersect with the anomaly. Thirteen days earlier, Alex had piloted his explorer tug next to a dark, craggy, 580-meter-long asteroid whose thick layer of water ice covered a small, solid core. Using tractor beams, he'd pinned it to his ship, then fired a two-meter-long metal shaft into the ice. An electronic beacon housed in the shaft switched on and began broadcasting. Encoded with Tara's telemetry, it did double duty as information for bidders and as a tracking signal, broadcasting the asteroid's tag and his ship's ID. Tara recorded the claim with the Ministry, initiating the bidding. All the mining outposts on Ganymede's frozen rocky moons and the government habitats on Neomedes were bidders, as none possessed a natural source of water. Days later, the Neomedes's Gordon Habitat was confirmed as the highest bidder and the new owner of Alex's latest haul. With the asteroid firmly tethered in place, the outward bound with engines blasting had slowly redirected the mass from its ancient orbit into a new trajectory. Running Alex's proprietary G-sling program, Tara had tightened their arc until the desired course was achieved. Alex, in the meantime, had endured the heavy acceleration, reclined in his pilot's couch, and eating prepackaged rations. When Tara announced the exit point, Alex had freed the asteroid, slinging it on a ballistic course, system inward. This was the beauty of his innovative mathematical model. While other explorer tug captains were forced to haul their asteroids to their destinations, Sirius, Ganymede, or Neomedes, Alex slung them directly to the buyer's planet or moon. It had taken nearly three years and a perfect record before the Ministry of Space Exploration had deemed his program viable and approached him with an offer. Alex knew that once the Ministry owned the application, they would distribute it to every government-contracted tug captain. The moment they did, his exclusive and lucrative edge would come to an end. So he drove a hard bargain for its sale and won three years of bonus payout on top of the ministry's original offer. 
He was returning for another haul from the ice fields by way of a refueling stop when Tara had informed him of the strange object. Alex had spared no expense for Tara, his bridge computer, and had patterned her voice synthesis program on recordings of his college advisor, Amy Mallard. The striking brunette's orbital mechanics class was one of the most popular courses at Ulam University, especially among the male undergraduates. She was also one of the university's most brilliant professors. He passed the days exercising, reading, and watching vids on his reader as he closed the distance to Shereas. If Tara had been human, his unceasing information requests would probably have earned him a slap upside the head. Eventually, as the distance closed, she was able to display a dim outline of the object. It was slender and symmetrical, with no heat signature. So, we have what? An alien vessel on a cold coast coming from outside the system? Alex mused out loud. Tara didn't respond. She was programmed to ignore rhetorical questions. With no one else on board, Alex had fallen into the habit of sharing his thoughts with her. The image changed the nature of Alex's curiosity. Before, he'd wanted to see it. Now he wanted to touch it. But he and the alien ship were on opposing trajectories. Even if he reversed course, it was moving at twice his velocity and would pass him by with a delta V of nearly 3k kilometers per second. He debated calming Shereas, the government outpost for explorer tug support and refueling. Ultimately, he decided against it since he hadn't made his own decision about the ship. He passed the time in his chair, idly calculating intercepts, discarding one plan after another. One plan he concocted had the slimmest possibility of working, although its initiation window was closing fast. Despite the hazards, his curiosity had begun to consume him forcing his decision. He would risk it. He leapt up, grabbed the rungs of the bridge ladder, and slid down into the central living hub, which rotated around the tug's spine, providing gravity when the ship coasted. In his tiny galley, he grabbed a handful of meal bars, then changed into an acceleration suit. Jumping back into his pilot's chair, he stashed his meal bars and hooked his suit into the ship's cleanser system, which processed his sweat and wastes. He loaded the flight plan into Tara's navigational subsystem, shifted the chair into its horizontal position, strapped himself in, and executed the program.